sports story everyone's talking about today is just moments away. So call or text us right now at 573-875-KTGR and make your voice heard. This is The Big Show with Andy and Brendan on KTGR. So what do you guys want to talk about? I got a couple of good ideas off the top of my head. Hi, I'm producer Chris, and this is The Big Show on KTGR and KTGR.com. 505, we're going to discuss where the Chiefs are, where Holmes is at on the all-time great talks. There is only one right answer, and I expect Andy Brendan to get it correct, or else I'm going to be very upset. At 525, we can hash it out some more and then maybe touch on Mizzou men's hoops because, oh, baby, oh, man, it just feels like it's getting worse before it's getting better. And then at 545, we'll chat with Marissa Anderson, head coach of Mizzou softball, because they had a pretty damn good weekend in their own right. Make sure to give us a call or a text to 573-875-5847 for your opinions. But first, before we get to any of that, we got to do this because it is 5 o'clock. It's time for the top five at five on the big show. Number one. You want to trade away for curtain number one? You can have curtain one. Again, the Chiefs, even with their backs against the wall, they're down 10 points to start the game. They get off the mat, and Patrick Mahomes puts the team on his back when he needs to. But I got to say, he had a lot of help this time around. The defense played spectacular. The the receivers stepped up when they needed to. Offensive line had some some good blocking when they needed to be sharp. And the Chiefs, in the end, get a 25-22 overtime victory in the Super Bowl over the 49ers thanks to a three-yard touchdown catch by McCall Hartman in OT to seal the victory. The Chiefs, three Super Bowl titles in five years, back-to-back Super Bowl champs, first time since the Patriots in 03-04 to have that happen in the NFL. Number two. Number two, your timing is impeccable. And now you kind of get into the GOAT conversations, right? Where's Patrick Mahomes in all of this? Where does he stack up next to Tom Brady? Where does he stack up maybe against other athletes in all of sports? I should clarify, team sports, people are making the Jordan comparisons, too. It, it might not be too far off. We'll discuss it in a few minutes, but he certainly now vaults himself closer to the top of that conversation. Travis Kelsey might already be there as far as just pass catchers in general. He might have all Jerry Rice's records when it's all said and done. Andy Reid also could be in that conversation, too, with how he's done the last few years. Number three. And we were talking about Andy Reid as a guy who couldn't win the big one. He had great teams, but just could not get past certain teams here and there. Couldn't win the big game. We're talking about that now with Kyle Shanahan, aren't we? Well, let's be careful about that. Only 44 years old. He still has a lot of coaching career left in him. If he keeps coaching the way that he is, I think he'll get a chance to capture one of these titles at some point. So don't write him off as just the guy that can't win the big one, at least just yet. Number four. Oh, I shanked it. We do have to talk some uh, Mizzou basketball. Yet again, they lose. It's an 11-game losing streak now, and this one seemed to be the worst of the bunch. They lost 75-51 to at home to Mississippi State. I know Mississippi State's in the bubble conversation, but... I mean, this just goes to show how backwards this Mizzou men's hoop season has been. Women's basketball Tigers, not much better. They lost at home by 11 to Auburn. That's now six consecutive losses for them. They're both off in the midweek, though, so that's at least a a respite from what we've seen on the floor so far. Number five. What is the five fingers? Say to the face. And how about Mizzou's softball? 5-0 weekend, two wins over top 15 opponents, and now all of a sudden they're ranked. Maybe you should have done that before the start of the That's season, the guys. Show's top five at five on KTGR.
875K to GR to call or text us. Yeah, I'm looking at all those pollsters who put together the uh, the softball rankings before the start of the season. And, oh, did we forget to put Mizzou on there? Oh, maybe we should have. Yeah, they proved exactly why they should have been on those preseason polls anyway. And now they are in uh, top 15 in, in D1 softball and softball America. And I don't know if every poll's come out just yet, but they should be included on pretty much every one after the weekend that they had. And we'll talk with Larissa Anderson about it at 545. But it wasn't all bad for uh, for Mizzou Sports this weekend, just, just just so everybody knows. Yeah, that didn't take long either, Andy, for Mizzou Softball to uh, to, to get their rightful spot in these rankings, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, they had it wrong at the beginning, but a weekend goes by, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. Let's, let's go ahead and put them in. That, that's fine. Yeah. You know, rectify the wrong right away. We'll, we'll take that. 875-KTGR. Call or text us. All right. Goat conversations. Where are the Chiefs? Where's Patrick Mahomes? Where's Andy Reid? Where's Travis Kelsey? On the all-time great discussions that we have uh, for, for all these positions. I mean, maybe we start with the dynasty first. Because, again, this is three and five years. And, yeah. I mean, th- there are not very many teams who can say that about uh, when you're talking about NFL history. I mean, not even the Niners with Joe Montana. That was three in six years, I believe. But I'm making sure that I check my uh, my arithmetic on that. Um, Don't lie on the radio. I'm just making sure. I'm stalling while I, while I pull up the results. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> well, either way, I mean, listen, you're in that conversation, right? Regardless of the the the, the tick mark here and did you dot the eye over there you know when you look at this version of the chiefs and what they have done over the past six years and i say six because that's the afc championship game every year that's something special to me and now you've got a back-to-back mixed in you've got three total super bowls i i don't know how anybody could look at this and say this isn't a dynasty if it's not your definitions are wonky it's getting to the point though now where we can talk about it Having the opportunity, Andy, to become the dynasty of NFL history. I, you can argue for any of the great ones right now that you'd like to, but that's the trajectory the Chiefs are on because I look at the way that this team is set up, and I know there's some questions on defense that they got to see who they're bringing back, and, and we know they want to add at receiver most likely, but there is every opportunity in the world here for them to three-peat. Like I feel very good about where they stand heading into this off season. If they if they attack the off season with purpose, yeah, this is a dynasty, Andy, and it's only got an opportunity to get better from here. Okay, so the Patriots did three out of four years. That was between oh one and oh four, and the, uh, with Brady, the Patriots also did it three out of five during the the mid twenty ten. So they had they had two dynasties with with Tom Brady. That's that's hard to chase, obviously. Uh, that that's kind of what you're talking about um, for 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 one of the top ones. The Steelers were just juggernauts during the '70s. They won four in six, which will be what the Chiefs are chasing next year if they do in fact get the three-peat. But here's what all of those uh, dice. I mean, and I was right on the 49ers. It was three in six years. Uh, they did go back to back during '89 and '90. But uh, no, uh, not three and five years. It was three and six. Cowboys had three and four, uh, including a back-to-back. That's also in the conversation. Uh, but here's what we haven't seen at all, Brendan. Super Bowl era, no three-peats. Not one. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that's what you're chasing. And if it becomes that, right, if, if it becomes a three-peat, 
with this, you put this dynasty above the Patriots, you put this dynasty above the Steelers, it is the best. No questions. I think so, at least. I think that's a pretty easy statement to make. And then you have to consider, like, okay, Brady technically did it twice. How do you compare that, and how do you kind of grade it out? But that's really, I think, an individual conversation at that point between he and and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, But the longevity that Mahomes has a chance to have, Andy, he could absolutely – people might already say he's the GOAT. I do. Mahomes is my GOAT. Uh, Yesterday further solidifies that. But I get it. The counting stats, the time, the longevity of Tom Brady, Mahomes still has a way to go on that. But he has every chance to get it done. He really does. 875-KTGR, where does the dynasty rank among other dynasties in the NFL uh, the Chiefs winning three in five years. They go back-to-back as Super Bowl champions and maybe a chance to get a three-peat next year. All right, where's Mahomes now? I mean, this is obviously between him and Brady, I think. I don't think you have any other quarterbacks uh, between those two, at least for now. But where is he in the GOAT conversation? What does he have to, uh, what does he have to do? I mean, he's... I don't think he has to get to six, by the way, right? Or however many uh, Brady got, seven. I don't think he has to get all the way there. I mean, I clearly don't because I'm already ready to say he is the GOAT. But Because we, we also know he's not retiring tomorrow. No. He's going to continue to amass statistics. I don't need to wait another 10 years and say, oh, does he does he have more passing yards? And Stop it with this. Like, I get it. If people want to respect Brady, he was fantastic. He was great. But look at Patrick Mahomes, man. Like, the uniqueness of what he brings to the quarterback position. I'm not trying to diminish Tom Brady and and overlook the obvious statistical edge that Brady will have based on the longevity of his career. But give me a break. Did you see Patrick Mahomes? This playoff run, Andy, I I don't know if it'll in history get the credit that it deserves for um, what Mahomes was able to do with a group that all year just struggled offensively, and he kind of dragged them kicking and screaming. The defense certainly played a massive role. It's the best defense Mahomes has ever had. But I just don't know what more I need to see. I know what Patrick Mahomes is at this point in time. It's becoming rather predictable that he's going to do incredible things on the biggest stage when it matters most. I, he's my GOAT. I'm, I'm okay with saying it after what we saw last night. What an incredible performance in clutch Man. situations. I mean, uh... There are people saying he passed Montana. I think he had already done that. He does now have the same number of Super Bowl MVP awards as Joe Montana. Brady has four now, and so that's who he's chasing there as the as the top guy in that category. So, I mean, I don't see who else you would put in between Mahomes and Brady at this point. I'm going to say he's, he's right there. Uh, as far as quarterback play and as far as what you see on the field and how he's able to adapt to situations and and everything that gets thrown at him, I agree he is the best quarterback I've ever seen. Tom Brady was excellent at what he did. I, I think it was more of just, you know, the, the fact that they were, they were a great team a lot of the time. And there were plenty of times throughout this season where we did not think the Chiefs were a good team, Brendan. We thought they were bad. Yeah, forget great. Like, they weren't even bad, good. Bad. <laughs> we described them as bad several times this year. And for them to get up off the mat, and it, here's here's maybe the biggest, uh, I, I guess, uh, argument for Patrick Mahomes here. He's won now back-to-back Super Bowl titles 
coming from behind. Let's go to the point where they, at the end of the third quarter, they were down six to the Philadelphia Eagles last year. And since that time, Mahomes has captured back-to-back Super Bowl titles and back-to-back Super Bowl MVP awards. Do you want to know? I will list off the players that he threw touchdowns to in order to orchestrate (laughs) all of that. In order, Canarius Tony, Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Nicole Hardman. That's that's the list of what those are the last four Chiefs to score touchdowns in the Super Bowl. That, that's the list of, of players to hit the end zone and score. Like, come on. Brady had it's pretty amazing. Yeah, like it I really just, is amazing. Man. Uh it maybe gives us the you know, there's there's people making the uh the arguments now with oh who does he compare to in basketball like what's the jordan uh race looking like as far as best all-around team sport athlete that we've ever seen and mahomes is starting yeah. to creep up there too it's kind of amazing yeah look and, and i it's it's icky it feels kind of icky because i'm ignoring some obvious truths when i say that mahomes is the goat when we're talking about quarterback play because Tom Brady did win a ridiculous amount of Super Bowl rings. But like you said, and and again, we could nitpick and say, well, the Chiefs have had great teams around Mahomes in some of these years. But, like, it was always the the, the factor of that Patriot defense. And it did seem like he always had great weapons. And I don't want to use weapons to work against the guy because sometimes it's the chicken or the egg. The quarterback can elevate the weapons around him. But I, I don't think there's any doubt that Mahomes does that. He elevates the players who play with him. And there's no better evidence necessary than the list of four guys that you just read off, Andy. In the biggest moments of of this of this repeat, you've got those guys making the biggest plays offensively for the Kansas City Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes is always on the other end of that connection. Yeah, Chris. For me, I think it boils down to when you see this person just like pick it up, pick up the football, pick up the basketball, whatever, and it seems like their talent and their athleticism is able to just like warp reality around the sport to bend to their will. I think of guys like Michael Jordan. I think of guys like, you know, Tom Brady, especially in like those mid-2000s where he was really starting to gear up as a passer. And I think about Patrick Mahomes, man. Every single year, just about every single year, I've seen this man just throw the football. It feels like he's doing something that should not be possible on the football field. And now he's got three Super Bowl rings to show for it. If I was a betting man, I'd say there's probably at least one more down the pipe, too. But even still, I feel like the Jordan comparisons are apt because you watch highlight tapes of Jordan. You watch highlight tapes of Mahomes, and you're like, how is it possible that these guys are able to pull off these feats of, you know, just pure talent, just pure, just like good at the damn game. So good that you're like, how do these other people compare? How does like uh, you're talking about like Patrick Ewing, Josh Allen here. You know what I mean? Like there are clearly sure. other like aces right. the, of that era, but there is one that really rises to a top above all else, and then you can start to have conversations about everybody else. And I understand that during the '90s, yes, you absolutely say that about Michael Jordan. There were very few Hall of Fame players that grabbed championships during that time. Yes, other than he was there. Michael Jordan. When when Michael Jordan was there, here's why. But here's the thing. Patrick Mahomes has already done something that Michael Jordan never did, uh, which is why I don't compare this to Jordan as much uh, from what Patrick Mahomes is doing. I can maybe argue that he might not be far away from from already passing him. 
It took Michael Jordan, again, we forget this all the time, it took Michael Jordan until year seven to even make the NBA Finals. Mahomes in six seasons as being a starter, three Super Bowl wins, four appearances, he's been in the AFC Championship game every time. Like, that's what Mahomes is doing. And so I I don't know if I like the Jordan comparisons all that much because, look, Jordan did have his run, and yes, it was wildly impressive while it was happening in the 90s. But again, that's not when his career started. He started into the mid-80s. Patrick Mahomes right. walked into the league and was MVP. And You know what, though? Yeah. The angle that I do like when it compared to Jordan was what you guys started saying about all the other kind of Hall of Fame caliber players that didn't get to win rings because Michael Jordan was there. And, like, I'm not saying that all the quarterbacks of this era are going to make the Hall of Fame. A lot of these guys are still pretty young. But you know who's not winning rings right now is Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Like, Joe Burrow gets one, but that's a rarity because it's usually Patrick Mahomes from the AFC getting to the Super Bowl. And I I get it that Tom Brady played against a lot of other guys that probably would have had more rings if he didn't exist. But the fact of the matter is, like, I like the way that Chris described reality almost warps around Mahomes and this Kansas City team. And, again, he's 28 years old. They're going to have to morph and change over time. Some years they'll be strong in some areas, and then they'll be a little bit different the next year. Like the defense really carried them this year. But the constant's going to be Mahomes. And that's what leads me to believe that he's got a good long run in him to where by the time it's all said and done, yeah, he's going to have more than three. There's just no question in my mind. Yeah, he's as long as he stays healthy and the Chiefs do something to make sure that they keep getting some weapons in because, yes, he – he won with largely the same group as he did last year, and it wasn't that great of a wide receiver core. And look, the, there will be decisions on what what the Chiefs have to do in order to keep the weapons as as good as they can be. Uh, Patrick Mike Evans, to use. <laughs> please, sorry, what, please do I, something. I, I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it would be so unfair is, if the Chiefs got Mike Evans. I just wanted to. Where's happen. Mike Evans? Where's T Higgins? Where are these guys? I mean, just you know. It, do something about it at some point because I don't know if it's all the way sustainable. But again, we doubted them before, and they have won back-to-back Super Bowl titles since trading Tyreek Hill. So I mean, it's you know, yeah. it's kind of uh, working out for them. Uh, build the defense. That's the thing. The defense again. It took a step forward this year. It's still young now. Chris Jones might be out the door. Yeah, uh, free agency might uh, take him up, and he might go somewhere else. That's going to be a huge loss. I see some real opportunities with the edge rushers here. Karloft is still around. They didn't really yep. use uh, their their first round pick uh, on a DK Uzama all that much this play, year. Though. He did play in the Super Bowl and did have a good play. He sure did. Uh, the the pass rush I think will be okay. You'll just need to make sure you have a run stopper in the middle that uh, can, hey. can keep things up. You'll have to pay Nick Bolton. You'll have to pay Legereus Sneed. You'll have to pay some guys coming up. It's got to happen some way, somehow. But there are still Byron young, Murphy, young players that can keep getting better in the interim. And I expect this defense to be just about the same level as they were this year. Here's what you do. I, I've got it all mapped out for the Chiefs. I do agree that you probably do let Chris Jones walk. I think you have to bring Sneed back because when you compare him with McDuffie, that is just an absolute paradise for a defensive coordinator like Spags to be able to know that he can trust the corners on the outside. So that's that's step number one. But you do need some more thump up front. 
Andy, defensively. The Chiefs have the number 32 pick. What about a guy like, I don't know, Darius Robinson at number oh, 32 overall for your Kansas City I don't think he's going to last that long. Yeah, I don't he know if he'll let he, yeah, he might be taken. Now, here's the thing, and his, his stock is absolutely rising, but could it be kind of similar to last year when we thought, hey, would they like a Jordan Addison in the mid-20s? Would they trade up if he drops far enough? If, that, if the Sharks are swimming in the mid-20s, I could see the Chiefs jumping up, making sure they get a guy like Robinson. If they happen to like him, we could see the fit, obviously. And then again, I'll continue banging the drum because the one thing last night that kept making me nervous was those short yardage situations that the Chiefs couldn't necessarily always get that one yard. Mahomes did it in overtime. I'm drafting Cody Schrader late in the draft and having a guy who always falls forward in my backfield as well to pair with Isaiah Pacheco. And that, boys and girls, is how Brendan Schaefer becomes a diehard Chiefs fan. Those two things happen. Darius Robinson, Cody Schrader, (laughs) and then you do. You sign a free agent at wideout because I don't think at 32 the answer is going to be there anymore on the board. That's how Brendan Schaefer becomes a diehard if they just wow. get give me those those Mizzou guys to go with Nick Bolton, I'm I'm there. I'm yours. That's all wow. I gotta say. That's all you gotta do, Chiefs. That's all you gotta do, Brett Beach. It's not that hard. It is. Bring hard. me Mike Evans <laughs> on is, top of all the other things. Very hard. I don't envy Brett Beach's job <laughs> one bit at all. <laughs> you could have that job. Totally fine. Just keep building winners. That's all you gotta do. Eight seven five KTGR. Call or text us. Where are uh, Chiefs and Mahomes? On the all-time great talks after their third Super Bowl win in five seasons. Got to feel good, Chiefs fans, doesn't it? We're going keep, to keep talking about that. We'll talk some you know, Mizzou men's hoops since things did not go their way again this past weekend. And how about our picks of the week? There was one guy in particular who did fairly well for himself during our whole prop bet version of the picks of the week this past weekend. We get to that, and Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach, joins us at 545 on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. It's The Big Show on KTGR, KTGR.com, with the KTGR app, and, of course, with any Super Bowl that happens every single year here on The Big Show, we have a full-on prop sheet that we go through and on on Friday, as we went through our entire sheet of props, there could only be one winner, I suppose, and it ended up being yours truly. How about this? My second 5-0 and week of the season. I don't wow. know how this happens. I go 5-0 and in a couple of weeks during this season. I've never had a winless week, even though both of you, Brendan and Chris, have had winless weeks before. But I'm still in last place for the season. What's happening? What's going on what, here? What's happening? I don't know how that all shakes out. but So hey. I think what we have to do, for your sake, is to have a whole month worth of prop bet sheets that is just all props, and then you just pick all of those, and maybe, just maybe, you can catch that's, up with Brendan. That's the only way I can catch up, is if we just do prop prop bets. Yeah, Brendan went 3-2 well, this week. Very clearly. Pretty uh, solid. Yeah, uh, solid for uh, for Brendan. Chris, rough My props were nasty. For you. Uh, one and four for producer which one Chris. Hit? I forgot which one hit. Oh, the one that you hit. Let's see. Oh, you, the one you hit was will the game be tied after be zero, tied after zero zero? zero. Well, yeah, it went to overtime. Like, so that felt like a layup, right? Sure it did. That felt that felt easy. I'm surprised it was like so late on the board where I picked that up. Well, I will say some of the ones you had uh, kind of kind of unlucky. You went with. I mean the the cross sport bets were were really fun this weekend. You had Shea Gilgis Alexander. 
first-half free throws made over total sacks in the game. Shea Gilgis Alexander averaging about eight free throw makes yeah. per contest. He gets to the stripe. Going into yesterday's game against the Kings, and he only had like two made free throws in the first half and was five of nine for the game. He had, he had a bad day at, at the free throw line. Uh, very uncharacteristic of SGA. And, of no course, kidding. there were four, I believe, total sacks in the uh, in the Super Bowl yesterday, so that was not one for you. And then uh, we were going into head and one. You had Travis Kelsey first half receiving yards, and I had Caitlin Clark total points plus three and a half. Well, we all know how Kelsey was in the first half. He had yeah. one catch for one yard. It was not a great start to the game for him. So it turned out that Caitlin Clark, with that plus three and a half, she didn't even score at all in uh, in that game on Sunday. Which, by the way, they lost. Caitlin Clark was held scoreless in the fourth quarter. She still ended up with thirty one. But Iowa blew a fourteen point lead to Nebraska and lost the game. And now they're—I uh, don't think they're number two in the country anymore. I don't. That's know Nebraska ball for you. Uh, yeah. Sweeping the nation. So Nebraska ball uh, took down Caitlin Clark over the weekend. So. But but she still scored thirty one, so that was more than enough for uh, for me to hit that one. And um, yeah, it was it was a fairly. I was kind of going through like I don't know if I'll get all of these, but I'm doing pretty well at least to start out. I mean, Caitlin Clark out there. Uh, shout out Charlie Hoffman for winning the uh, the Phoenix Open over the weekend. He had six oh, yeah. birdies, and that was more than Debo Samuel's receptions with three. So that was another one I got. <laughs> I mean, it was it was good. More commentary on Debo, I guess. Let's go through there. Debo was targeted eleven times in that game, and he only had three catches. I did not think I was going to win that one with how the game was looking. But hey, you said it, Sneed, McDuffie. They had other plans, man. Yeah, that was all, uh, all like the big time targets for the Niners. Sounds like Christian McCaffrey and a couple of crazy Jawan Jennings plays. They were kept mostly like under wraps. Like they would get their like little bits of like little biting at the yards there but yeah. nothing nothing like too crazy i think they all combined for like 120 something yards combined together Ooh man that uh that chief's pass defense is serious it was it was really good so again uh give us your thoughts on the uh on what the goat conversation should look like now for the chiefs and patrick mahomes and andy reed we didn't talk much about reed i mean he's he's now got three super bowl rings that's rare air He's not to Belichick's level, at least to this point. I don't think he needs it. I'm confident that Ooh. I can put him up on the NFL yeah. head coach, Mount Rushmore, like right now. Right now? Oh, the, the Mount Rushmore, you say? Uh-huh. Okay. I can maybe get on board Yeah, give with me that. Parcells, give me Landry, give me Belichick, give me Reed. That's it. Really? Yeah. I can so do who'd it. you say? You said uh, Belichick, you said Reed, you said Tom Landry. And Tom who's... Landry, give me Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Oh, Let's do it. Okay. I, really? Okay. Um, Bill goats. Parcells, uh, he did win uh, multiple championships, I believe. Uh, yeah, two rings, both with the Giants. But there's a lot of time there where, first of all, he wasn't a head coach the entire time. He kind of bounced up and down between some assistant jobs here and there. But, I mean, it, the time in New England, the time with the Jets, the time with the Cowboys. I mean, once he left the Giants, do we – I know he's a great coach. I'm not trying to knock that. But it, when we're talking about the GOAT conversations, Mount Rushmore, are we really uh, – you're going to put him there? Why not? Guys like uh, Pete Carroll who have also won you know, multiple Ooh, championships. Pete Carroll would be a fun one. 
Don Shula. Don Shula. Who led the, uh, the, the undefeated Dolphins, of course, and has the most coaching wins ever. You know, I was, That run-the-table Dolphins team is so old now. I mean, I think Don Shula needs to be on this list somewhere. He's got two rings. He, had, he went back-to-back, including with the, uh, with the undefeated 72 Dolphins. So I, I think it'd be very hard Lombardi, to maybe. leave him off. Yeah, Vince Lombardi, too. Vince Lombardi. I, mean, I might kick Parcells off the list for Lombardi. Really? Yeah. It's, Tom Landry's an interesting one, too. He coached for a long time. He was the head coach of the Cowboys for nearly 30 years. That You cannot even fathom that in this year's age of football. That's never going to happen again. I will book sure it right now. Uh, so that, in and of itself, is impressive, but... That's uh, and he had a couple championships too. So I mean, he's solidified his resume. Also, I don't know that that's fast. That's a very hard conversation. We maybe need to save it for uh, for another day. We'll have a lot of time this week to be able to, to parse through that. How'd you like the halftime show? But, uh, oh, halftime show was great. Uh, I if mean, again, they, I don't know if I uh, how I feel about being old enough to be the target demographic of Super Bowl halftime shows nowadays. Yeah. But I was, and I enjoyed it. Uh, that was well done by Usher. Well done by everybody else who Love was the skates. He played the hits going in there. Start with cut up. I never thought of. I should have thought right. of. Right, it's just so off like the radar. Right, I thought that but was it's so obvious when you hear it. You're like, oh, of course. Yeah, come on. Like, this is this is something he has to play, or else, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, that was very good. Um, but I can't really find any complaints with it, honestly. Um, I will say I was just putting my daughter to bed right before the start, so I, I don't know. Oh. If I caught the entire thing, but um, but yeah, it was it was bed. There's some like mic level stuff that I I wish they could have like fixed some like audio like yeah. general issues, but outside of that, there the performance that. was pretty solid. Uh, Josh texted in. Has anyone done a wellness check on Jamar Chase? <laughs> Ooh, no. Hey man, uh, I mean, remember when he said he want he was asked, do you want to see in the Super Bowl anybody but the Chiefs? I mean. He's going to be with the Bengals for for a while. They're going to keep him. They're not going to keep T. Higgins. But I mean, the, he and he and Burrow will be a problem. Like uh, that'll be a, as Jeff Parles was saying. He thought the Bengals were the team that you that you have to deal with if you're the Chiefs going forward. Uh, if you want to stay on top of the mantle as consistently as you have over the last few years, that's the team. It's the Bengals that will see. That's the thing, though. The I think the I think the Ravens have like a generally favorable matchup against the Bengals. I know who are, kind the, of, who are the weapons going to be from time to time. Like I, I mean, there's there's no clear quarterback wide receiver combination that you can say, oh, absolutely, that's a real threat. I know defensively they'll always be good. the The run game will always be good. But again, we just saw it. Like it, Joe Burrow's the guy that has beaten Patrick Mahomes. We have not seen Lamar Jackson do that. I, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's. The the early evidence is showing that it's maybe not going to hold up over time with what Patrick Mahomes could be slated to do. Uh, and I also wanted to mention this text from Steve, uh, 875KTGR. Punters don't win MVPs, but Townsend had a great game, pulled down, a, pulled down a really high snap on a field goal, and every punt was great, and one created a turnover. Butker is a stud with ice in his veins as well. Yeah, he pulled down the high snap on the record-breaking Field goal, which I was surprised that Moody was the one who broke it with 55 yards. I could have sworn there was a longer field yeah, no goal kidding. in a Super Bowl before that, but he hit that one to get the record, and he held it for not even two quarters when uh-huh. Butker hit a 57 yarder that I did not think was going to have the distance, but it was a laser 
Yeah, that was like a low floater. Yeah, it was was line drive. And yes, Townsend (laughs) did excellent to pull down the high snap, put it right where it needed to be, and Bucker with a powerful kick. And and, and again, Townsend averaged 50 yards a punt too, which was uh, fantastic. And the whole unit, there was a real special teams edge for the Chiefs in that game. And it very clearly played out with That's the the thing, though. Like, outside of like that muffed punt, like the Niners' special teams were kind of crazy too. It was just well, like some a, freak play by Leo Chanel to like get like the hand on like the uh, extra on the point. extra point. I mean, there were two guys who blocked that extra point though. I mean, they both had uh, hands on it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it ended up playing a big difference. That's an edge that the Chiefs have more often than not, that not a lot of people pay attention to, but the good teams they do, and it worked in the Chiefs' favor. It really worked in Mizzou softball's favor this weekend too. As they got a 5-0 and start to their season, we'll talk with Larissa Anderson, their head coach, about all of that next year on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back on The Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app with Andy and producer Chris here. And it was a great weekend, of course. We've been talking a lot of Chiefs today, but it was also a great weekend for Mizzou softball. What a start to their season. They go down to Clearwater, Florida, and they claim the championship in the NFCA Division One leadoff classic by going 5-0 and in their first five games of the season. A couple of run rule victories in five innings, a come-from-behind win, and also uh, two Two key uh, victories over top 15 opponents, Utah and Clemson, to cap off what was an excellent weekend for head coach Larissa Anderson's group from Zeus Softball and Coach Anderson joining us now on the big show. So, Coach, I mean, just to just to have that to start a season, uh, to for all around to have things line up the way that they did and for your players to execute when they did, just uh, how do you kind of sum it up as a start to the season for your group? I mean, obviously every team wants to win and every coach wants to win, but it really had a lot to do with the week leading up to hitting the road and being able to get outside and just being a lot more comfortable with our preparation um, to be able to simulate a lot more live live scrimmage um, environment on our field, which added to it. But, I mean, the intent that this team has is unlike anything that I've coached since I've been here at Mizzou. They are really in tune to the preparation and, and buying into – what what the preparation is and everything that their coaches are telling them that they need to do to be successful. And I was talking with our hitting coach, Jeff Cottrell, today, and that South Alabama game, like, that's a very, very strong team. And their pitching was keeping us off balance, and they were jamming us like crazy. And the hitters went to him and said, what adjustments do we need to make? And they made those adjustments and stayed disciplined to them. And that's the probably the toughest piece of putting the entire thing together where you can give your athletes the correct information, but having the discipline to stay true to what you're trying to accomplish is, is really the difference maker. And that's what I'm seeing this team have the intent and the, and the level of focus and being able to do so. Well, and again, to have that early in the season, and again, talking about that uh, that, that come-from-behind win on Saturday against South Alabama, your team scores uh, one in the sixth, three in the seventh to, to get the 6-3 win, just to have uh, a lineup ready to make those adjustments and, and, and turn that switch on to be in that mode so early in the season to do exactly what the team needs to get in position to win. Uh, how important is that to have that so so early on uh, from, from a group that's still you know trying to get back into the swing of things? Yeah, it's it's huge, and it really comes from leadership. And it's it started when they set foot on campus in this in September and early August, in being unsatisfied with last year. 
and having a different level of focus where they, they had unfinished business and they underachieved and they know that they did. So it's been on their mission to be able to go out and, and fight every single pitch and every single outing. And they're carrying that into the games where when we were down, there was absolutely never a doubt. Like they, there wasn't that panic because they have the confidence in each other that they've done the preparation in order to set up the success. Um, it's not always going to happen, but at least to have that level of confidence and that leadership within your lineup and within your group that you have an opportunity to make it happen. Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball head coach, joining us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com after the Tigers start the season 5-0 and down in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, offensively, it seemed that your team had just not even just in those uh, few moments where they had to come from behind, but also just getting the winning plays, uh, having the winning at-bats, uh, a team OPS of over 1,000 for the weekend, six home runs. Uh, to, up and down the lineup, you saw some some players contributing. Just uh, how, how good was that to see? so early in the year again we're talking about the first few games here and usually you have to switch around with the lineup combinations make sure what works here and whatnot but it seemed that there was some some really good production from your group there and there was all the way through and a lot of our emphasis in this offseason and, and our preseason has just been about competing and, and competing on every single pitch and putting the team ahead of your own individual stats so, yeah, everyone wants to go up there and, and hit the home run, but sometimes it might be able to drive that ball to opposite field and, and being selfless in doing so. So there's a lot more, and again, I, I continue to use the word intent, but what do I need to do in my at-bats to make the team successful? So it takes that pressure off of you as an individual and kind of simplify it, but all the way through the lineup, and it starts with Jenna Laird and, you know, being just clutch and getting on base any way possible, and then you have Alex Honnold and, you know, the middle of our lineup with Madison Walker, Care Daly, and, and Julia Crenshaw really add where you're just continually working on turning that lineup over and passing the bat to the next person. Where I feel right now, and again, we're only five games into it, but I really feel that we have a lot of depth within our lineup and we have a lot more people in the dugout that I know are going to add to the, the contribution that there isn't anyone that you're trying to get to. Like, you, everyone's a force within the lineup. You know, last year I felt like we really only had maybe the top four or five, and then we weren't really strong at the bottom half. But as of right now and projecting where everyone's going to be, we have a really true nine, maybe even 12 deep. Yeah, sure, sure seems that way, and they had a great week uh, this this past time out. We certainly have to talk about uh, what Lauren Krings did uh, pitching-wise for your group, uh, pitching in three uh, complete game victories, uh, I believe 20 strikeouts in those 19 innings. Uh, the the Sunday game where you're playing against a top-five opponent in Clemson, and she takes the ball and she only allows a run to him. Just, I, I want to uh, – what was kind of the off-season preparation for her when she knows, yeah, I, I'm probably going to have to be a workhorse this year. I'm going to have to lead this staff uh, after what I've done through the last few seasons. But to have that kind of start then for those results, just what does that mean, do you think, to her? You know, it, it's huge for her. It's huge for the team. She knows this is her last year, and her preparation started again this summer. She stayed here all summer long. She tra- trained with our strength coach. So she got her body into better shape and, and stronger because she knew she that she was going to have to do the workload and wanted to be able to withstand that strength and power throughout the entire season. And, and that's the grind. But just mentally, she's made such a change and such a difference in her daily approach. When she comes to practice, she's she's more focused, and she's learned how to become a pitcher, not just a thrower. She's always thrown hard. 
she had the mentality that she just could throw it by people and she didn't really have a lot of great control and command and it was really challenging to call the game for her because I never knew where the ball was going to go. Um, now she's really learning the art of pitching and she's working on both sides of the plate, being able to sometimes take a little bit off of it. So she's not always trying to throw as hard as she possibly can and, and focus a lot more on spin. But her mentality is the ideal, like the ideal coaches that you want to work with. Um, I wanted to pull her in that third inning of the Clemson game. Like she was gassed. It was hot. It was, she had pitched the two days prior to. Um, she was ready to come out, and I went out to the mound ready to make a pitching change and had someone ready to go, and she said, Coach, this is my game. You're going to have to carry me off the field. I want to finish it. And I'm like, it's the third inning. Like, you have a long way to go here. <laughs> you know, we already have a four-run lead. Let someone else come in. And she said, no, I want to be able to finish this for my team. But that that's the difference that I see with Krings right now. She wants the ball. She wants to put the show of the team on her back, and that's something that we really haven't had here within this program in a while. It's pretty amazing to to think, and I, and I bet it does also kind of rub off on some of the other players because again, it's a, kind of a younger group that's going to take her spot uh, very soon uh, at, after this year. But just to have that presence in in the pitching staff, uh, I, I bet when you're trying to teach young pitchers on how to pitch, it makes it a little easier. Yeah, and I, I had Taylor Pinnell ready to go in the seventh inning, and I wanted to make a pitching change again. And I went to Cranes and I said, I'm going to bring Pinnell in. It's, she needs this experience right now. She's going to be our closer, and you've done a great job. And she said, Coach, this is my game, and you're going to have to cart me off. So I said, okay, but if you get into trouble out there, I'm going to have to come and get you. She said, don't worry about it. I'm not going to get into trouble. So, again, taking that ownership, but as soon as she won the game, she said, thank you for leaving me out there. And she talked to the entire pitching staff, and she grabbed them and said, I want you to know what it means to be a part of this program and this is what you have to gut through. So she is leading by example. And to have the younger players see that she just fought like crazy and gave it everything she had for her team is just going to be such a teachable moment for them to learn from. Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball head coach, with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So the Tigers, again, a 5-0 and start. Uh, they, they win the championship in the NFC Division I uh, leadoff classic and will take some uh, chances down in Denton, Texas here for their next few games. But, Coach, just to, you know, uh, again, it, it included two wins over top 15 opponents. That certainly caught the attention uh, of some folks who put together the ranking systems. Uh, you were left out of those ranking systems at first, and then all of a sudden, oh, top 15. Uh, uh, Oh, there you go. Look at look who's back. Uh, I, I know it, it, it comes uh, a little bit with the territory, as you know that that that's your expectation to be uh, in that range most years. But just you know to have that type of weekend to you know vault yourself back into the conversation and then trying to back it up as you play uh, deeper and deeper into this year. What was that like? You know, and, and it's one you're playing in a tournament where you have a champion. And that's what these players need to experience. They need to experience what it feels like to play for a championship. You know, we were, we were in the championship game in the SEC tournament in 2021. So that's a few years ago. So getting, getting them to feel what it's actually like to hold the trophy up, to celebrate, to play for something, um, that's going to prepare them for the postseason. And you, yeah, you take the wins and you have your rank wins and you get yourself back in the rankings. But it's those little moments on playing and being able to feel that atmosphere and what it means to have the game on the line and, and what's at stake are the things that are going to prepare them for the postseason so that they can go back onto this moment and know exactly what that feels like and know that they're capable of doing it. 
For sure. And then, uh, of course, the, the next chance to do that coming up this weekend, the Tracy Beard College Classic, five games slated again for, for your group here. And you, and you play fewer opponents. It'll be Texas A&M Commerce, South Dakota State, uh, and then North Texas. But, uh, again, kind of the uh, that almost doubleheader format where once you face a team, you're, you're going to face them uh, pretty soon right afterwards. So it's kind of that uh, back and forth a little bit that you might experience. So what what's kind of the, the mindset as you go into these next few games uh, down in Denton, Texas? And, and try to keep this role going? You know, hopefully I can get some more. I, I felt like I, I didn't use my bullpen as much. Um, it does help that we mercied a couple teams, so then we don't have to use them as much, so we're able to save them. But at the same time, I need to get some other pitchers some more work. Um, so that's what I'm going to really be focusing on. But what's what's great in this tournament is playing similar opponents multiple times because now you have to make some more adjustments rather than just playing someone one time and you're going to see them again. So I know the opposing coaching staff is going to make adjustments. We have to counter adjust. So that's very similar to what it's like in SEC play when you're playing the same opponent over three games. Um, so that's going to prepare us for our conference play. But really it's just continue to compete, com- com- compete in the batter's box, get our pitchers competing, continue to work out some things to see where everybody fits in to be able to be the most productive but my real emphasis is to get more body of work for our young pitching staff. Sounds good. Well, again, we'll be looking forward to that this weekend in Denton, Texas, the Tracy Beard College Classic Mizzou softball with five more games to play in, in non-conference play there. But what a start to the season it was, going 5-0 and down in Clearwater, Florida, taking the tournament championship there. Two top 15 opponents uh, that they were facing beat both of them, had a come-from-behind victory in there as well. Great start to Mizzou softball season. Great to have head coach Larissa Anderson here on the big show to talk all about it. Coach, thanks so much. Congrats on the wins this weekend and, and safe travels down to Texas uh, this time around. Thanks, Andy. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. It's the big show on KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app, and that just about does it for us. Thanks to Larissa Anderson for joining us, as well as Jeff Parles for joining us last hour as well. You can find both of those conversations at KTGR.com and on our free KTGR app. You can find all of our podcasts there, including the full show podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today on this post-Super Bowl Monday. We'll be back to give the good, the bad, and the ugly, as we always do after every NFL weekend, even the Super Bowl. That'll be tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Don't miss us for that. And we'll talk with the injury expert Will Carroll as spring training it's upon us now, folks. We'll be talking some baseball season very soon. Thanks again for joining us. Tiger Talk is coming up next at the top of the hour. Women's basketball at 6, men's basketball at 7. For Brendan Schaefer who joined us earlier, he's producer Chris. I'm Andy. We're done for now.